Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, guys. Welcome to Questions You Have Answers. I give... Normally, exclusively on the Steel Wars a Patreon page content club, but this is an all-access episode, so we are on the iTunes, the regular feed, and uh, if you want to join in on uh, inverted commas the fun, uh, you can become a patron. But we'll talk about that later on. We will get to some questions from our patrons and see where that takes us. We've got one here from Josh Caldra. Hey, Steele, have you seen the fan attempt on YouTube and Patreon to make a full-on Shadows of the Empire live action series? What are your thoughts? I have seen this. My thoughts are excitement, she wrote. Now, I don't know, Shadows of the Empire, the novel, sort of, I, I sort of see in my Twitter circles gets frowned upon and um, a little bit giggled at maybe. But for me, reading it at the time, 90s style, apart from the Leia Shizor bit with the, the pheromones and stuff, which when I read it for the first time, I don't know. It was Star Wars. Like I, I wasn't, I've, I've talked about this before. I, I didn't feel like I was in, I, I didn't think to judge Star Wars. I was like, this is Star Wars. So it's got to be good. Do you know what I mean? So this is, um, you know, pre-special edition Pre prequels, pre preak, the pre preak era. So, like, I, I feel like when special edition came out, that was when Star Wars fans got super judgy about Star Wars. Yeah, you know, and I'm not saying if they were right or wrong, but I don't know, and maybe that's when. The, the sort of internet was evolving and stuff. I know I, I followed a lot of uh, Star Wars Special Edition news and rumours, you know, via the Force.net um, mainly. Uh, I probably ventured other places as well. But um, that was my main base. I, I, I was pretty um, in the 90s. Force.net, Rebel Scum. That's where you got your info from, and uh, that's the way I liked it. But anyway, um, so I maybe if I reread it now, I'd be like, oh, but maybe I'd, I'd still like it. But I, I thought it was a fun little bit of mortar between the two bricks of Empire Strikes Back: Return of the Jedi. Now I have heard about the Shadows of the Empire fan film. Um, around the galaxy podcast. Wait there, I'll just look it up with Pete. Did an interview with him, and the guy actually has uh, DM'd me about it because I think Pete said I was a big Shadows of the Empire fan. Around the galaxy podcast. Go to Shadows of the Empire. Everyone else could do this, but David Ortiz, episode 62. 
he sort of uh, talks about of the Around the Galaxy podcast. Um, he, he talks about the challenges getting made, raising the money, all that good stuff. So I've watched the trailer, which is um, all sort of just CGI effects, and it looks great. So I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. We'll definitely have uh, David on as the, you know, there's some more stuff to talk about. I, I actually think um, Pete did a great job with that interview. So to interview him now would sort of, like there's already a good source of information about that. So check that out if you want to know more about the uh, Shadows of the Empire fan film, which is it actually called? Doesn't really say. I'm looking at a, a link to it on Fan for Tracks. Their, um, their Google search rankings came up first. So congratulations to them. All right, let's get back to Josh's. Qu- oh, so yeah, I, I'm down to watch this. Uh, I'm 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 really down. I, I haven't watched many things like that. Oh, I watched. Yeah, I guess I've watched a fair few fan films, but sort of how they're making a film, a story. It because um, most of the fan films seem to be sort of smaller scenes um, or chapters rather than like a, a, doing the whole movie. Or a whole story, you know, and there's, you know, they come out in parts or sometimes they don't or they they wanted to but it didn't. Um, but what it reminds me of is, um, what is it, The Secrets of Greyskull or something like that? Chris Fresh from Geek Dudes is currently yelling, Fall of Greyskull? Is that what it's called? But um, it's a fan He-Man film, which is... You know, it's super hokey effects and stuff. It's like if they tried to do the Mandalorian effects with the the back screens in um, 2001 or something. Maybe, maybe even earlier. But it was sort of, it was fun to watch because, um, you know, we are starved for live action He-Man excitement. You've got the Dolph one, but uh, come on. You don't go to Earth. Eternia. I've been to Earth. Want to see Eternia. Another question. How This is from Josh. Another question. How do you feel about Ray's story continuing on Disney Plus? Or maybe a series where a different character is explored in every episode? I feel like that would please lots of appetites for people who want standalone films for various things. Example, Fett Vader, Knights of the Old Republic, live action Clone Wars. I think Disney Plus opens up so many opportunities for great content. That um, Your last line sounds like a, a, a Disney press release. Disney Plus opens up so many opportunities for great content. And who can argue? Who can argue that one? Um, I don't like it I don't like it Josh my hope for the continuation of the Ray character my favourite character of um, the Disney Star Wars era is is definitely Ray because I was a Luke Skywalker guy and to me um, not only is Ray like that character for me in those films she was also a big Luke Skywalker fan well in The Force Awakens when she's like I, I thought it was, I thought he was just a myth loved it loved it loved it anyway um, yeah I would my hope for the continuation of the Ray character is Star Wars Episode 10 as I think Hawes this is his not prediction or hope or something but he called it i feel like at um was it king tom i think it was horse uh star wars episode 10 in 2027 the 50 year anniversary of star wars so that's i want to save ray for that and yeah, I just, 
Mm. I, I, I also don't like a series where a different character is explored every episode. Because just doing one episode, one episode on a character seems like a bad movie. Um, then, and and also all the work that you have to put in for designs and stuff. Uh, you know, I know a lot of them are just used in one episode, like in Star Wars, they're used in one scene. But I feel like you got to put all that work into either a motion picture or a series rather than a, a one-off. I, I don't like the idea of them doing sort of straight to streaming movies. I would much prefer, because you've got the medium of television, that's what you're going through, and the advantage of that television has over a motion picture is you can tell a longer story through chapters that... Um, teach you about the world and its characters and you know you can go into those quieter scenes like the mandalorian has where you know say the rise of skywalker doesn't have too many of them because they're like they've got to keep going and so i I feel like to do a movie so you're limiting the story that you can tell and the depth and put it on the smaller scale medium because the the advantage of a movie is it's two hours of giant screened, big budget amazement. So to sort of, you know, take away that big screen and, and the group environment and, and put it on television and but then not chapter it out and really delve into the world, I think... Um, you're getting a lesser story, so I would, I would like, I would like series at least six episodes, please. That'd be great. Uh, Josh continues at the same time. Reaching back to old characters will get tired. I'm glad a brand new era is being explored with High Republic. So am I, but I am yearning for something to watch based in that era whether it be cartoon or live action. I'm not saying I know anything that's going to happen, but I am yearning um, because that's that's how I like to consume my Star Wars. That's my, my favourite medium, the, just sitting there, mouth agape. I agree the logo wouldn't look great on a T-shirt. Ha, ha, ha. Stay awesome. Thank you, Josh. Very constructive Post. Cheers, mates. Now, let's go to the next page from the last episode. Uh, Nick Aquino, he chimes in when I was doing the best moments for uh, each film. He chimes in with best moment for Rogue One, K2SO's death scene. That's pretty good. That is a... Um, that's a moving one. Nice work, Nick. Brad Volmer is here. Steel, I have a burning question left unanswered for years now. My wife of five years now has the coolest maiden name. Oh, that, I read that wrong. My wife of five years now... My wife of five years now has the coolest maiden name. I read it as my wife of five years now has the coolest maiden name. And that maiden name is, I should get to that. My wife of five years now has the coolest maiden name, Snoke. That, needless to say, I fought for taking as my own name when we said our vows. Years later, when Snoke was sliced in two, she joked it was good that I didn't take the plunge after all, as he, well, wasn't as cool as we all thought. Her opinion, not mine. I would like to know, with all your knowledge as the leading source in Snoke, my opinion, I would definitely argue that, uh, if anything has ever been released publicly or privately regarding the origin of Snoke's name from a creative point of view. 
We all remember the story of Scarath being generated from a botched Starbucks run by Gareth Edwards. Very funny. And I would just like to know if there's something similar with the name Snoke. I feel like it is truly a unique name and never would have thought it to be a, a real one had I not met my beloved. Help me, Steel Saunders. You are my only hope. And thank you for my new favorite shirt. Brad got the uh, I'm with Snoke t-shirt, which it's one of my favorites that we've done. It's got Luke Skywalker's robot hand pointing like the um, I'm with an idiot, I'm with idiot, whatever that t-shirt is. And Andy Murphy, my friend from back in Melbourne, a really good sort of skateboard artist, did it for me. And I just loved how it turned out. I've actually got it framed, the original art, um, above from where I'm talking right now. So it's a very, uh, I love my Andy Murphy original Star Wars art pieces. Whenever he does, he did the also the Yub Nub, the Ewok, um, Pal Peralta bite. And uh, yeah, whenever he does them, when we negotiate the price, I always say, and, um, and, and, and I've got to get that original art as well because he, he actually draws them before he scans them in so that's pretty sick um but he got that one and my favorite photo ever with the uh, i'm with snoke is when i got to interview one of the times double name drop i got to interview kathleen kennedy and i wore that t-shirt and got a photo with her with the finger pointing at her and um i was very happy with myself that day i know that's hard for you to believe the listener at home But um, where did Snoke's name come from? I have no idea. So I am going to Google it. Snoke's name origins JJ. Hmm. Here's something on Reddit. It's one of the, it's probably the tenth time I've ever been to Reddit. Um, to say, this is four years ago. Today I decided to check into some theories regarding one of the most enigmatic characters in Star Wars: The Force Awakens, Supreme Leader Snoke. I came across many interesting theories and also looked into the meanings of the names of the Sith. For example, Darth Vader equals father in Dutch. That's actually not why he was called Darth Vader. That's a happenstance. Um, Phil Stozek has uh, debunked that one on his uh, on his Twitter feed. He did all these like debunking Star Wars myth posts about a year ago. Really good. Or Vader could be short for Invader Two. Okay, here's some more obvious ones: Darth Sidious, Insidious, Darth Tyrannus, Tyrant, Darth Maul, Malicious, etc. This encouraged me to work with Snoke's name to see if there was any subtle hints in his name that could give us a bit more insight on his character. At first, I couldn't find anything that fits with Snoke. Then I decided to spell his name backwards. Econs. Ah, I was... Ah, okay, so Snoke's name's backwards is Econs. Kind of got really confused there. I was quickly able to find a Swedish translation for Econ, which means Echoes. With that being said, there are rumours indicating episode 8's working title is none other than Star Wars Echoes of the Dark Side. Coincidence. This is hilarious. Because he was a clone, so he was an Echo. So they're right, but they're making the wrong conclusion. But I also think they're digging way too deep and looking for something that's not there. Like backwards of the Swedish translation. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. But if anyone can chime in with uh, um, some confirmation or anything on that. But that is so funny that like an echo and they went with that. T- oh, my God. And you could have said... So now you can go... This is the thing. I'm going to post on uh, Reddit. I'm going to get a Reddit account and I'm going to uh, log in, work out how it works and type the theory that Snoke was called Snoke because Snoke backwards is Econ, 
which in Swedish means echo, which was a hint that he was a clone. I did not think I would be breaking such Star Wars ground as I would during um, this Q&A. Wow. There you go, Brad. And much like Snoke, your wife is an echo of her parents. It's like poetry. It's all connected. Rhymes. Thanks, Brad. And uh, thanks for picking up the T-shirt as well. I appreciate that. Michael Nip. You mentioned Enfy's Nest, and it sparked a memory that she told a story of her mother fighting back against the syndicate that would eventually become Crimson Dawn. In my fanfic, I would love to see them tie the Clone Wars together with Solo and have her mother be Trace or Rafa. Do you think we'll get more Enfy's Nest backstory? That is an interesting tie-up there. With Trace or Rafa, with um, Enfy's Nest's mother. I'm thinking of the timeline and it fits. Yeah, nice work, Michael. Um, do I think we'll ever get more Enfy's Nest backstory? I would like to. And I would like the idea that she could interact with. Um, you know, maybe some people in uh, from from Solo, and um, you know, like Cassian, get him her in the Cassian show. That would be. Um, oh, why did I say Solo? I meant Rogue One. So yeah, it would be cool to have her in the Cassian show show up and um, and help out. I like I the character is sick, like awesome, but. It's always hard when she's a character from the like worst performing live action film that they've done. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's such a bummer that 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 story, those series of movies popping off from Solo didn't get done because we were robbed of some like, ripping, ripping stuff. I think so. I I sort of don't think we'll get more, but man. Colour me happy if I'm wrong, for once. Thanks, Michael. Timothy, Timothy Dunlap. How you doing, Tim? Hey, Steel and patrons. It's been a year. Sorry I haven't been in here often to ask questions, but the people have answered the call taking up the banner. The content has been sizzling. The questions have been on point. My questions. When The Mandalorian was originally marketed, it was supposed to be a story in a new part of the universe about new characters. Do you think the creators are now slipping back into the trope of only telling stories about things and characters we know? Is it actually impossible for the Star Wars franchise to move beyond the original trilogy, or will this only happen long after the original fans like us are gone? Oh, who cares what happens then? That's my point of view. Um... I don't know, like, you know, there's so many rumours about uh, established characters coming in to... Wow. That was that was a swoop bike going past, guys. Star Wars reference. Um, yeah, there's a lot, so many rumours about returning characters, existing characters... And entering the Mandalorian show, but we don't know how often they're in, or how much of it, or how it's done. So I'm, I'm, I'm really like, they made a killer series, so they have the benefit of the doubt from me into the second one. My hopes are high. My um. It's there. It, it's it's there to be disappointed. Like you know, maybe I'm setting myself up, but they asked for it by bringing out uh, a killer series, and the first series definitely did just rely on 
new characters. You know, we went back to Tatooine for one amazing episode, I might add. Team Toro, Calican Crew. But it was, um, you know, all new. So maybe in the second series, just, you know, they went off on themselves and then the second series is like, we'll have a few tie-ins to keep it within the web of the Star Wars canon, make it a, a little bit more unified by having these characters come in, but giving the series a season to, to grow by itself without throwing in the cameos too early. So I admire their restraint. And season one and two, like season one seems to have been written with season two in mind. So they have my trust. And hey, it, I, I think it, it could be super cool to have these characters come in. Um, you know, the, the like having Tamira Morrison come in and play either, you know, Boba Fett or Rex or whoever. Sorry to mention Rex Hawes. I know that's, um, you know, you don't want to comprehend that. And I'm sorry to mention Boba Fett, Corey. I know you don't want to comprehend that. Maybe he can play. Why not both? Do you get paid twice? If you're, um, you know, you're playing two characters, doing your Boba Fett, doing your Rex... Yeah, a little bit more, a little bit, a little few more credits. Hey, what's going on there? We'd have to refer that to the Bounty Hunters Guild, of course. But here's where I'm getting at. Tomorrow Morrison, such a part of the prequel era. His face was literally pasted all over the thing. To have him then appear in a post-Jedi story and also what I just... To have him grounded. Like, like I love Attack of the Clones, but those stuck-on heads. Ah. I just think it'll be great. And I think it will, it will bind the galaxy more and it'll enrich my viewings of, you know, the Clone Wars... Um, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. So I, 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 I'm positive. I'm, I'm, I'm high on it right now. So, um, but we'll see what they do. Thank you, Tim. Catherine Neen. Oh my God. Okay, so I did, I think I dispelled the myth about uh, how Australian toilets spin in the opposite direction because they don't spin at all because... They are designed quite differently in the last episode. I'm, I'm sorry for non-patrons. You missed that amazing content. But um, the water in an Australian toilet is far lower in the basin. It's a safer experience. Trust me. So, Catherine Dean, on my side, the US toilets versus Australian toilets. Way too much water in American toilets. It's disturbing. Catherine, we often agree about most things, and uh, this is no different. Thanks, buddy. Maria, hey, Steel, did you check out the new Ahsoka Itty Bitty? I can't believe it's already sold out. Hashtag bring back the call-in show. We're working on bringing back the call-in show. Um, it's, it, it's so weird because for a lot of people, they're getting a lot of extra stuff done in isolation. But for us, because we've got Harry that we're sort of, you know, we try to do little like shifts on, you work for four hours and, and I'll take Harry, then, then we change over. I'm, I'm getting far less done. And so the irony is that people want the call-in show back now because they've got this free time, but I'll have an easier time to do it once everyone's uh, back to doing stuff. But it's a work in progress. I do miss just talking. Uh, I love, as you know, the Q&A does this as well, but just the, the random topics to talk about. It's, it's super fun. It was really fun to interact with everyone. Alex Cronenberg asks, 
or says, states, comments. Wah! So cool to hear you answer my question, mate. Oh, thanks. Apologies for my rather tongue-in-cheek answer. My actual three non-force using Jedi. So Alex, last episode, wanted to know what three non-force users would I upgrade to Jedi um, as far as force powers go in uh, in the films. I think it was, was it the original trilogy or I think it was all of them. And yeah, it was because Maz Kanata was one of mine. I, I would have thought it was pretty sick if she was like a, a retired Jedi. I thought that would have been pretty cool. His actual three non-force using Jedi I would go for are Greedo, Dengar, Mon Mothma. These are your non-tunning cheek, tongue in in tongue in cheek. My tongue's at the back of my mouth. Answers, Greedo. So Greedo would have actually moved out of the way for Han's blaster. I guess that makes sense. So uh, you're a genius, Alex. You did it. You solved Star Wars with that one. I'm not sure about Dengar and Mon Mothma, though. Brandon Baker, he chimes in. Hi, Steel. I love many of the DC Comics animated films. I watched the final four Clone Wars episodes stitched together in one uncut movie. I loved it so much. Question. Do you think if Disney Plus released the 35 Clone Wars story arcs, 135 episodes divided by four as 35 Clone Wars animated movies, it would lead to more folks watching versus individual episodes? All right. Here we go. I'm going to try and not contradict myself here with the sub, the, 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 the episode, I did say that I think on streaming, things should come out episodically, like the Mandalorian, like the Clone Wars. But as a bonus feature down the track, uploading a a movie-length version of each arc? Hell yes. Yes. That would be sick. Do it to all of them, 35. You could you could release one a week. It, it would It's such a cheap thing to make. And then we could all play along. Release them in chronological storyline order. And you could have the movie in there as well. That, that could be a cheat week. But that would be sick. And it would, like, recycle the content. It would it, it would repurpose it. So, yeah, I, I think that would be awesome. Release them originally in um, episode form and then, then bring them back as, as a full movie. 
Um, but yeah, I, I cut, you know, I, I'd watch a, a fan edit of that as well uh, to edit down the uh, Mandalorian into a two and a half hour movie would be um, a fun experiment. But yeah, that, that would be sick. I would, um, high endorsement, high endorsement there, Brandon. Emily Lint of the Canto Bite Dispatch podcast and the Pop Culture Hour podcast, which I don't think has had a, an official uh, episode yet. The, um, the former Rogue One with uh, Johnny and uh, Pappy, Pappy Boy out there. Shout out to Pappy Boy, stealing my memes. It's <laughs> a bit of trolling there for Mr. Michael Pappas. But speaking of um, famous New Yorkers, Emily Lind chimes in with, what do you think of Jerry Seinfeld's new special?" Jerry Seinfeld is my Luke Skywalker of comedians. My original and my best. I can tell you for days stories about my love of the series Seinfeld. It is more of, sometimes people say to me, oh, I don't like Star Wars. Just, you know, you can still be friends. You know, people, they overdo it. Whatever. Having a bit of fun. It does not bother me if someone um, has not seen Star Wars. Callum Preston, who had never seen Star Wars, who I took to see Rogue One. You can listen to that episode in the archives. I took, I took someone that had never seen a Star Wars movie to see Rogue One to see if you could follow what was going on. And he's an artist from Melbourne and just, just one of the most talented people ever. So now he's seen a Star Wars film, but um, before that he hadn't. I thought it was a shame, but we got along just great. So I don't judge people on not seeing Star Wars or not liking Star Wars. But when people don't like Seinfeld, not the stand-up, but the series, i got to think, is this for me? Why risk it? Why risk it? So I've seen Jerry Seinfeld recently. I think maybe, oh, it was before Harry. So it would have been two and a half years ago, two years ago. Probably three years ago, because I don't even think um, Jackie was pregnant. Um, Which seems like 10 years ago. TBH. So I saw his new set, and I was really impressed. You know, I was sort of going as, you know, nostalgic. Um, I'd seen him once in Melbourne on his, I'm telling you for the last time, tour after Seinfeld finished in the 90s. And just the way he came out, bounding, just like relentless first 20 minutes. And, you know, his stories are are far longer. He now has to do comedy from the position of a famous billionaire rather than a, a man on the street noticing things. And I think he tackles that pretty well. I loved the special. I laughed a lot. A negative for me was him weaving in a few old bits, which to my ear just stood out like really, like they're funny, but it just was sort of like, oh, why? Why are you you putting that in there? But um, the intro for it, we're jumping off the helicopter. I don't know what's going on there. I've seen the billboard on Melrose and it's sort of like a, a James Bond ripoff. And I was like, this is so 90s, Jerry. Spot on. But yeah, loved it. Thought it was great. 
what did you think of it, Emily? I'll, I'll have to um, I'll have to ask you on Twitter. Griffin Campbell. Hi, Steel. Been a while since I posted. Had some financial stuff up, but now I'm good. Thanks, man. I agree with your smiley face. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're good, and I'm glad you're back. What is your favorite skateboarding memory and why? Love hearing you talk all about it. Hmm. Ah, easy. My favorite skateboard memory is I would have been maybe 12 or something. Pretty young. Like first year of high school ish, maybe second year. And this is, you know, late 80s, I guess. Um, And there is this big skateboard tour is announced for Easter at Paran Ramp, which was about an hour and 20 minute drive from where I lived. Paran was, it's just out of the city. It's sort of the like a really cool part of Melbourne where all like the, the collectors and maybe not so much now, there's still a few collector shops and, and skateboard shops and record shops and, you know, real eclectic independent stores, um, which I just love. And that was the center of, you know, almost Australian skateboarding, definitely Melbourne skateboarding. Cause there was a vertical ramp and a bowl behind it. So, there was, you know, street skaters, bowl skaters, and vert skaters could all congregate there and, and, and skateboard. And, you know, we had some of the best skateboarders in the world, like literally would go on to be like, you know, number ones. Um, skate there every weekend with us, which was, um, now I look back and it, just some true Wonder Years uh, memories. But so there was this demo planned for, so it would have been Easter, so it may well have been the day before Good Friday, Thursday afternoon, Paran Ramp, 5pm, skateboard demo, sponsored by Vision Streetwear and the Snake Pit Skateboard Shop, one of the great skateboard shops in skateboard history. And the lineup was Mike McGill, Mark Gonzalez, Lee Ralph, Christian Hazoy, Neil Blender, Lance Mountain, who incidentally didn't skate. He just took photos on the platform. But he did sign my Lance Mountain T-shirt I was wearing that day, so I was very happy. I said Christian Hazoy, Steve Caballero, and Tony Hawk. Now, as I said, Jerry Seinfeld is my Luke Skywalker of comedy. Tony Hawk was definitely my Luke Skywalker of skateboarding. I, at one point, had over 300 pictures of him on my wall. I was... I've always been a bit obsessive, you guys. It's weird when you look back and you're like, oh, all the signs were there. Not only did I have 300 plus, I think it was like 346 or something, but I I knew the count. Jesus. Um, <laughs> oh, the, the, the couch session this has turned into. But um, so they're doing the skateboard demo and those guys like Tony Hawk and Christian Azoy had only been to Australia once the year before and I was far too young. Or maybe it was two years before. But it was sort of out of the question that I could um, travel to the city to go see this demo. And it was on a sort of a little yank, like like winky dink portable ramp. So not not a good, you know, I'm sure they would have blown minds. I've, I've seen footage of it. But, you know, Paran was a pretty world-class ramp for the time. And me and my friend Jamie Kennedy left my house. Oh, it was a school day as well right? And my parents were not super strict, but pretty strict. 
And I remember going to my mum because this demo had been announced and like not getting to see it, not like having this take place an hour and a half from my house was unacceptable in my life. And I remember sitting in the lounge room and, oh man, this is such a a funny memory, sitting in the lounge room and putting together a, a bank of evidence to help my cause at why I should be allowed to go to this demonstration. And <laughs> and what it would mean to me. And I remember sucking it up and strolling into the kitchen. And I remember where my mum was and where I was, where I put it to her. And she took it in. And she said, I think that'll be okay. Oh, oh. Not a problem in the world. <laughs> oh, man. And so me and Jamie uh, got up to get a bus. It was like an hour bus ride to get to the train and then an hour train ride. Far quicker in a car. And we got up at night time. We were waiting at the bus stop and it was dark outside. And we, I don't know what time it was. Like the first bus, maybe it was it was like before six a.m., which when you're like twelve, it's like why no? And we got to Paran to to like get a spot behind the fence because it was like a, a fence where we knew the crowd wouldn't be allowed past. We got our spot at eight a.m. and the demo was at five p.m. and it wasn't this this sort of thing that prepared me for Comic Con. And, and celebration. We just stood there happily for how many hours is that? Like eight hours? Wait, eight, nine hours. And just didn't think anything of it. It was what, this is the way. This is the way. And it wasn't like, it wasn't, people were like squashing up all right. Like, we didn't know until the the magazines came out with the photos, but there was like five to ten thousand people behind us because skateboarding was just so big then in the park, and and this was such a you know once in a lifetime opportunity to see the gods skate all together. Thursday afternoon, Paran Skate Park, beautiful, beautiful autumn day from memory, and. When Tony Hawk came through the crowd to get to the ramp and I like actually saw him in the flesh for the first time, it was so surreal that like, cause he was like a, it was like seeing like Hulk Hogan to me. Like he was a superhero. Like I, I remember just seeing him like, I can see him. Um, and, and, you know, like it was also, you know, in the eighties, like California was just so far away. It was, oh, it was, it was incredible. And like the demo was just so good. Everyone skated so rad. And I think one of the last tricks that Tony Hawk did was a 720, which was like his best trick at the time. And I was just so fulfilled and... Yeah, it was that, that. That's one of my favorite memories. Wow, um, I got a bit choked up there. That was um, they were some good days, man. They were some good days. And Griffin's final question, and the final question of this episode is to add to my last question: Do you find yourself watching skate videos often? Thanks to the announcement of a Tony Hawk remaster. They're bringing back out the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 with sort of new, I don't know, 10, 30 DPI, whatever. 
very exciting for people that have time to watch video games or play them. Um, so, yeah, thanks for the announcement of the Tony Hawk remaster. I'm going to rabbit hole. I watched Baker 3 yesterday, and I'm currently watching the ep- epically related video on Elisa Steamer, one of um, the most legendary uh, women pro skateboarders. It's a, a, a huge pioneer, especially for, like, street skating, like gnarly street skating. Uh, I guess I, you could say I forgot how much I love skateboarding until recently. Now, I, when Harry was, like, I had to nurse him a lot at night, sometimes for hours during the night, I would watch skateboard competitions on YouTube. So I'd sort of have Bluetooth headphones on. And I would just watch like X Games and like whatever the Jew tour and stuff because it was mindless, but it was entertaining. And I could not, I wouldn't have to watch the whole thing to follow the story. I just watched the skateboard runs and I was interested, you know, I like that stuff is interesting to me how people do and what tricks they do and what risks they take. Um, you know, whether they do a, a safe line, a safe run, or they try like really hard tricks to win, that sort of stuff, I, I, that all interests me because I'm a skateboard nerd. And so I watched a lot of them. Now at the moment, I have gone back and I, I watched not like Baker three is probably a bit too current to me. I, I love going back and watching the eighties and the early nineties skate videos. So like the, the power Peralta bones brigade videos, like contest videos, like now on, on YouTube, there's a lot of like sort of, like early street and mini ramp contests that didn't get released on video in Australia that people have uploaded them. And I love going back to watch those. Um, and you bring up Epicolated, which is a documentary series on Vice that um, sort of skateboard Durr and photographer Patrick O'Dell did. Um, and they're sort of mini documentaries on personalities in skateboarding. That's the stuff I love. I love hearing them reflect back and they, they cover all eras of skateboarding and the highs and the lows. I, I love watching documentaries about skateboarding. The, um, the Bones Brigade documentary, um, that was, that was incredible. Uh, there's another one which they had like a bonus thing, which I bought, but now it's on YouTube called the bonus brigade. And that's like another two and a half hours of interviews from when they did that. um, the Bones Brigade in the 80s was like the Jedi Council of skateboarding. Everyone that was sponsored by Pal Peralta, they were known as the Bones Brigade. And that was Tony Hawk, Ronnie Mullen, Steve Caballero, Lance Mountain, Tommy Guerrero, Mike McGill. They were the, they were the grandmasters. Um, and what other stuff have I been watching? Like, uh, these days I like to watch The Nine Club. It's, it's sort of they're in trying to do isolation episodes – at the moment, which I don't like as much. I don't think the chemistry is there, but the nine club is um, like a, a modern day interview sort of chat show about skateboarding. And they have skateboarders come on and tell their life story and they, you know, the reasons they left sponsors, video parts, all that good stuff. love it. So I love all the, the backstory. So I would suggest um, if you want some documentaries, um, the bones brigade, one, which Bones Brigade is sto- a love story? What, what is that called? Bones Brigade documentary. Um, I can't remember what the actual name. Dogtown Z-Boys is an awesome documentary, also by Stacey Peralta. Um, the Man That Sold the World, which is a documentary about World Industries founder Steve Rocco. You know, Flame Boy Wet Willie. His story is amazing going from... I read an interview with him when I was a little kid and he was homeless. He was living on Natus Corpus pro skateboarders floor. He was in this interview, said he didn't have a, like he was homeless. And that to me was to read an interview with a homeless person was quite shocking. Um, you know, full credit to my parents for giving me a life where that was shocking. And he said in the interview that he's going to start this skateboard company called world industries. And, it's going to be the greatest skateboard company, the biggest skateboard company of all time. And I was like, 
this homeless person's out of his mind and he went and did it. And now he lives in a mansion in Malibu, um, all sold out, um, out of skateboarding and uh, a very happy man. So I love stories like that. So that's the man that sold the world. There's um, Big Brother magazine, which is sort of like the precursor to Jackass, but it was an amazing skateboarding magazine. They're very edgy. Um, they've got a documentary on Hulu. I think it's called Stupid. That's really good. And closer to home in um, my growing up skateboarding at Paran, um, All This Mayhem is a documentary about two brothers that I grew up skateboarding with, Tuss and Ben Pappas. And they went on to be the one and two ranked skateboarders, vertical skateboarders in the world. And then they, um, you know, there's drugs and and a lot of bad stuff happens to them, like, like really bad stuff happens to them and the, the people around them. And that's actually made by my friend Eddie Martin, who's uh, a very acclaimed documentary maker. High recommendation on that. I think that one might be for free on Amazon Prime right now. So, uh, yeah, check all those out. But, you know, skate videos, the era that I like to watch, um, Blind Video Days uh, featuring Jason Lee, uh, actor extraordinaire. That's one of the all-time ones. I like the Plan B early videos, um, the early, like, World Industries videos, um, pretty much all the Girl and Chocolate videos, but particularly earlier ones. Uh, that that's the stuff I really love, and of course the the Pal Peralta Bones Brigade videos, um, really really shaped how I dress, spoke, and acted as a child. Um, incredibly so. <laughs> uh, so that is it. That was that was really fun, and as you can see, you can ask about uh, Star Wars. And, uh, or whatever, podcasting, skateboarding. I will try to keep the less Star Wars ones towards the end of the episode. So if you're just here for the Wars-ing chat, then um, you can fade to black after um, that wraps up. But uh, thanks, everyone, for those questions. That, that, that was super fun. And a huge thanks to all our patrons for supporting the show. Um, you know, every third or so of these episodes go up on the free feed and of all our Patreon bonus shows. But to get every episode, it is just $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash Wars, and you get access to over 600 full-length back episodes from the interviews, the blog pods, the comedy festival shows, the, the live commentaries, the, the celebration shows, and then bonus shows like Star Wars You By Podcast with Hawes Burkhart, where we go through Star Wars history while reading the Star Wars You By You podcast. I oh, know, book. I was trying to do that so slick, and I messed up. The Robo Report, we just did um, a watch-along episode, episode 28 of The Mandalorian, episode 5, The Gunslinger, starring Toro Calican. So good, and um, Page Wars is another regular episode that we've been keeping up with, with King Tom Chansky, filling us in on the Star Wars books and comics that are coming out that we don't have time to read. Super fun, for just three bucks a month, and, oh, just heartfelt honest truth every three dollar subscription really adds up and helps to um be able to work out the time to do um the show you know it would yeah so thank you guys so much really appreciate it um and yeah it's appreciated so Thanks, you guys, for that. And I hope you are finding the hashtag content worthwhile. Give it a chance for three bucks a month and uh, 
three bucks a month. You can you can download all six hundred if you're that keen, and then end it. And um, you've got a lot of listening, and there's a lot of um, you know no false modesty, great interviews that um, in retrospect come out pretty timeless with the the subject matter that uh, we talk about, which is why sort of one of the reasons why I started with the interview. Um, format first because I thought that was a bit more of a, a timeless format than the the news shows that I loved, but I, I thought they did an awesome job. And again, with this time thing, I desperately want to get back to the interviews. So um, I've got a list, got some great um, ones up for grabs, but uh, we will get there because that is so fun. Got a Got a lot of post-isolation plans for the old pod. So, um, yeah, excited about that. Thank you guys for listening along. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this app, it is uh, all access. So give it a retweet on Twitter if you please. It, uh, it really helps me out and buoys my spirit. Thank you guys so much. And may that force be with you. Ben Mendelson, right? Yeah. I'm just confirming. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.